Well, before we, uh, before we get started, let's go to our Father in prayer and uh, invite the Holy Spirit in with us and prepare our hearts and minds for his word. Now, I'll let you begin a little prayer on your own, and then I'll close this out. Father, we're so grateful for this day, and I know that there are several that are not here because of sickness and the pain that we talked about. There are several that's probably not here because of the weather situation, and um, just pray that you will be with all of them, Father, and protect them. And for those that are here, pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will be here among us today, that you will work on our hearts and minds and make the Word of God real to us and that this will become real and become something that embeds within our souls and that we believe and that we trust in. And just before we begin, I want to say thank you for your son Jesus. And what we're going to study that he did for us, Father, is beyond imagination, but we thank you. And praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we get started, I'm going to lighten it back up a little bit. Something that I heard last week. Cat and a mouse both went to heaven. They get up there and, you know, the angels are walking by and stuff. And one of the angels walks by the the mouse and said, "Uh, How are you enjoying your stay in heaven? And the mouse said, It's pretty good, but a little feller like me, there's so much places to get around I need a pair of roller skates or something so that I can get everywhere. And so they brought a pair of roller skates to the little mouse. And he's on his way just going around everywhere. And so they come by the cat and they said, hey, how are you enjoying your stay in heaven? He said, man, I'm liking it already. I see you got meals on wheels. (laughs) Well, anyway, uh, if you want to go ahead and turn to Genesis Chapter 3, we'll be there in just a moment. But on Wednesday nights, man, we've been digging in some deep wells and getting refreshed by the Word of God and that water of life. And it got to a point this last week, and it, oh, it was good the first half of it. We're going to share that with you. I'm going to give a, a short synopsis of that so that you're caught up to speed. But the other part, I said, it's about like one of those old shows on TV when right at the good part it said, to be continued. And I said, but the good thing is you don't have to wait until next Wednesday. I'm going to bring it to, you, to us on Sunday because this is so good. I want everybody to be able to share in this thought with us. And so uh, where we was at was Genesis chapter 3. So if you've got your Bibles there and you want to follow along, it goes like this. The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman said back to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. 
Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, that your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And then she also gave to her husband with her and ate. And then the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves some coverings. The garden scene is one of the most glorious scenes in all of the Bible. I I love the book of Genesis just so much. And we're introduced right here in chapter 3, really, for the first time to the woman and to the serpent, our adversary. And an adversary he is. And we said in our studies leading up to this that, did you know that the devil uses agents of his ministry? You know, he is only one created being, but he has demons that has followed him that are agents of his. He also uses other things, other people, other means to do his bidding and influence you as well. He influences them. And under their spell they influence you. If you'll remember when Jesus was betrayed. It says Satan entered into Judas. And he went and did what he did. And sold him out for those 30 pieces of silver. So he uses and he instructs. And he gets people and places and things and media. To go against us. Well right here he's using an animal called a serpent, part of the lower creation. But this was the sharpest crayon in the drawer. It says he was more cunning than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And I want you to notice, and we talked a little bit about this too, that the, that the seduction of mankind, that the fall of the human race wasn't with a what we would categorize ourselves from a human standpoint as a serious bad sin. You know, we try to say little white lie versus full blown. We try to categorize these things, don't we? And we would think that the fall of mankind would be something big, but did you think that it was just by eating a piece of fruit that the Lord had said not to eat? None of the biggies, but that's what caused it. And not only that, it starts... With only a conversation. The fall. And going away from God. Starts with nothing more. Than a friendly conversation. In the garden. I like how David starts out his psalms. As he goes into it. Psalm 1. Verse 1 and 2 says. Blessed is the man. That walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Nor standeth in the way with sinners. Or sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his. Delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. There's the difference. Who are you associating with? Where are you getting your instruction from? The conversation with someone who's bending your ear away from the Lord, or is your delight in the law of the Lord, and in his destruction, instruction do you meditate day and night? You guard your heart above all other things. That's the most precious thing that you have. 
And the devil is on the prowl for souls. And he's looking and he's going about as a roaring lion seeing whom he may devour. And we think of that and we're always looking for that viciousness. But did you know that just like in the garden with the serpent, that he also has another side? Because it says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15. There are false apostles, teachers, deceitful workers that transform themselves trying to look like apostles of Christ. And it's no marvel, for Satan himself is also transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers appear to be like angels of light and ministers of righteousness as well, whose end, though, shall be according to their works. So his agents can be vicious, but they can also appear as angels of light, as ministers of light, to be deceitful in pleasant type of ways. So now back to our text in Genesis chapter 3. Now we're back... He's like the angel of light here. Oh, he comes in and his words begin to sway the thoughts of the woman. And he says this. Has God indeed said to you? And I'm sure he's looking around in the garden at all that God has given them. He said, did God say that you can't eat from any of these trees? You see what he's doing is trying to do this. Trying to get her to get angry at God. Because God has created all of this stuff and said that you can't eat none of it. He's got it there to tease you, to leave it out there for you, and you can't touch it. And the woman, she was quick to respond. She knew some truth. She had some truth, but she knew some truth. And she said, no, the Lord said that we can eat from the trees, but the tree in the midst of the garden we should not eat of, neither should we touch it, lest we die. So she had the first part right, but the second part wasn't quite right. She had added a little bit to it. That opens up the opportunity for Satan to continue to talk because now he's swung the attention to the one tree that she wasn't supposed to be paying attention to. And now he's deceitfully moved it right to there. And he says this, You shall not surely die. For the Lord God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your mind. uh, Keep this in the back of the mind for the moment because she said don't touch it either. But he says, no, God knows in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And I wonder now, what happens between verse 5 and verse 6 of our text here? Because if you look, in, in verse 5, you got God knows in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Verse 6 says, when the woman saw, we've got that word right there in green, when she saw that it was good for food, pleasant to the eyes and desirable to make you wise, I wonder what that means. Because he's saying that you're not Going to die. As I meditated on this. Think about this. The word Saul means. To see and understand fully. About something. In Genesis 1. It's full of this word. 
God created the heavens and the earth. He created the beasts of the field and saw that they were good. He created the stars and all of the things and saw that it was good. Then at the end it said it was very good. The word saw means you see and you understand something. It has that connotation. It can also be used with seeing what other people are doing and understanding something about that. Genesis chapter 6, time of Noah and the flood. It says the Lord God saw that all of the actions of men, their thoughts and everything was continually evil. God knew and understood and he could see what was going on. I wonder what went on in the garden. I know, and I'm going to tell you this, I'm going to preface it by saying, I don't read this anywhere that I have found so far, but it is my inference that it could have been possible from what I read and know from the words here in the original language because it says she saw that it was good for food. How, how did she see and know that? Unless maybe... He also took a bit of it. Because I don't read anywhere in the scripture that the serpent was told not to do that. Only the man and the woman. The devil is already lost. He has free reign to do whatever he wants. I don't know. I'm just saying it says that she saw with understanding and knowledge that it was good for food. And that it was desirable to make you wise. And she wanted To have that now. So I'm just putting that as a thought. Of what could have been taking place in the background. From what I believe from the language. But I will not say that that is a doctrine. I want to preface that. Because when I can't prove it as a thus saith the Lord. I tell you what I infer. And this is a thought. But I'm not going to stand on it. And make it a doctrinal issue. So then after that though. She saw that it was good, she took of it, she ate of it, and then she gave to her husband and he did eat. And then it says their eyes were open and that they knew that they were naked. And now, here's where we started getting into some good stuff on Wednesday night because this word for naked here, did you know that in the beginning, in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, it says God said... Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the cattle that creep all over the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. What do you think the characteristics are Of the image and likeness of God. That they were created into. So that they knew now after eating the fruit. That their eyes were open and that they were naked. Well here's where we went with this real quick. As we bring you up to speed for what is going to be new stuff. 1 John chapter 1 verse 5 and 7 says this. This is the message that we have heard from him. And declare to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with him, but we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, 
then we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So, fact number one, God is light. In him is no darkness at all. So, part of the image and likeness of God is light. Now, Psalm 104, verse 1 and 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. You cover yourself. You wrap yourself with light as with a garment. Oh, we've been talking about garments the last couple of weeks, haven't we? So you wrap yourself with light. God is light. He wraps himself with light as a garment and stretches the heavens out like a curtain. Oh, we talked about armor the last couple of weeks, haven't we? The night is far spent, Romans thirteen twelve says. The day is at hand. Let us, therefore, cast off works of darkness and put on an armor of light upon ourselves. So God wraps himself in light. He is light. And our armor is also supposed to be light. Angelic beings who were created from the hand of God like uh, Adam and Eve were. Because if you go to the genealogy in Genesis chapter 5, or if you go to the genealogy in Matthew and Luke, it will tell you that Adam was a son of God. And the angels are called sons of God. If you look at Genesis 5, it will say, Adam, who was the son of God, then he knew his wife, she conceived She bore a son after Adam's image and after Adam's likeness. So once man became flesh after the fall, his likeness and image changed from what had been God's likeness and image to what we have now. So with all of this being said, angelic beings who are also from the hand of God like Adam was, a son of God, it says in Matthew 28, 1 through 3, that when the Sabbath had ended and it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb. And there, there was a great earthquake and an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, rode back the stone, and his countenance was like what? Lightning? And his clothing like snow. So his appearance was bright light like lightning. Luke 24 verse 4 says it came to pass that there was much perplexed thereabout. This is another at the tomb. This is a little bit later. And they go inside and there's two men on the inside of the tomb. And it says they stood by them in dazzling white garments. That's what the original language says. It's in shining, dazzling garments of light. So angelic beings who came from the hand of God also are clothed, are wrapped in light, aren't they? The point that I'm trying to make is is that I think what the Scriptures is teaching us is that Adam and Eve were created as beings of light. They were wrapped in the glory of God just like the angels and as God was before the fall. So then, another 
thing to look at in this is Revelation chapter 13, verses 17 through 18, which says, this is the letter that is being written, and he tells them, you say that you're rich, that you're increased with goods and you have need of nothing, and you don't realize that you are wretched, miserable, poor, and blind. So here's the counsel of Jesus Christ to us. I counsel you to buy of me gold, that's tried with the fire that thou mayest be rich. And what? What does he want us to put on? White raiments. That you may be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness. Uh-oh. Kind of starting to draw some parallels now, aren't we? What happened in the garden? They became naked. They were ashamed. They hid behind a tree to hide from God. God says here, get from me back into white raiments that thou mayest be clothed with those. That word for white raiments here is light. Dazzling white light. Actual word is garments of leucose, which if anyone has bought light bulbs lately, it'll tell you how many lumens it is. Like a 40 watt. Digital lights now have lumens. How luminiferous is the word so that's what buy from me garments of luminiferous so i have brought all this so you realize first of all that adam and eve probably were beings of light clothed in light along with their body Um, the human body can transform between those things think about the angels you have angels that appear like they did at the tomb in light But they can also appear like they did at Sodom and Gomorrah as regular people. Or as they did to Abraham out in Mamre. Or as Hebrews chapter uh, says that we are to entertain strangers because some folks have entertained angels unaware. So don't think it that God can't have us to go back and forth from being a body of light one moment. And not a body of light in another moment. And for that, I say, whenever we go to the Mount of Transfiguration, what happened with Jesus there? He goes up in his normal state. He's transfigured before them into a being of light. And then he's transfigured back into his normal being. So now whenever we get back to Our text of Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 says, The woman has eaten the fruit first. So I wonder if her light switch went off. And that's the reason that there was a change. Because this word for nakedness, that they realized they were naked, is not your normal word for naked, folks. That word is galah. The word we have here is arom. And arom means to, it's only used 10 times. The, the real word for nakedness is used 185 times in the Old Testament. What this word means is to be laid bare and open because of sin. Just like at the judgment it says that everything is going to be laid bare before God. So what has happened here is now the light has went out. And they have been laid bare before God as being sinful. The light has went out. And so now 
they are walking in the darkness, so to speak, that we talked about in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. So now, Adam is going to have a predicament because Eve now, it says, was first and then she's going to give to her husband. And Adam has a predicament because if all of this is true, which from the scriptures I infer that they are, then Adam has a problem because his wife, his Isha, his helpmeet, his bone of his bone, his flesh of his flesh has changed. And he can see that. And I infer that to you from 1 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 13, 14, and 15 says this. Adam was first formed. This is the Holy Spirit's commentary on what's going on in the garden. Adam was first formed. And then Eve. Listen to this. Adam was not deceived. But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, charity, and holiness with sobriety. Adam first formed. Then Eve. Adam not deceived. The woman being deceived. And the word there is a participle of past tense. It actually reads the woman having been deceived. It's already taken place. And he is seeing with his own eyes what is happening. And he's got a dilemma. Because back in Genesis chapter 2, when the Lord God formed the, the woman and manufactured her out of his rib bone and brought her there, the man said, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. This is woman. And because of this, a man shall leave father and mother and shall cling to her, his wife, and the two of them shall be as one. I think there's something so much deeper going on here. And here's where we get the good part. A lot of this has been reviewed for those that were here Wednesday. Now's when we hit the good part. Um, Adam, it says that you knew what you were doing. If that's the case, could be Adam was still in his glorified body that he was created in and he sees the woman in flesh and these thoughts of Genesis 2 is going through his heart and what is he going to do oh Adam you've got a choice to make I'm going to try to unpack this for you Romans chapter 5 beginning in verse 6 is another commentary in the New Testament about what's happening and if if we get if the room gets a little hot and your eyes sweat, mine's been known to do that at times, it's okay. I hope every eye in here begins to sweat with what we're going to get uh, taught today. Romans 5 verse 6. When you and I were without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for us. For scarcely would a righteous man would one die? Peradventure for a good one, some might even dare die. But God, God commends his love to us in this. While we were yet sinners, 
He died for us. I want you to think about that with Adam and Eve as we go through this. While we were yet sinners, he's going to come and die for us. Much more now being justified by his blood shall we be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were the enemies of God, we could be reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more then being reconciled shall we be saved by his life? We joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, whom we have received now an atonement because, look at verse 12, by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men for all have sinned. Even during the time from Adam to Moses when they had not, look at what that verse says, verse 14. Even to them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Who is what? The figure of him who is to come. Wait a minute. Stop the horses. Did this verse just say that what the Lord done for me and for you is after the similitude of what Adam is doing in the garden for his wife. We are the bride of Christ, you know, right? It says that Adam is the figure of him who was to come. He's going to try to be like his wife to save her. For some reason. And if you'll remember when we were at 1 Timothy chapter 2 a minute ago. And it talked about he was not deceived. But she was deceived. But yet what did it say? She shall be saved in what? Childbearing. What would have happened if Adam never took the fruit with her? There would be no one to be like her to bear children to save her. It took someone to be like her to help save her. This is the similitude of what Christ did for us. So now, whenever we go and think about what Jesus did, like in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 42, there's going to be a resurrection of the dead This body that we now live in is sown as corruption. It's going to be as incorruption. It's sown in dishonor. It will be raised in what? Glory. And that's the brightness of the light of God. It is sown a natural, but it's going to be raised a spiritual. And that spiritual body is that body of light that we're going to get. Then it says in verse 45, As it is written, The first man... Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. So Romans said that Adam's transgression was a figure of him who is to come. And here we see that Jesus is the last Adam. And now I take you to Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. Look not on every man his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. So what's the mind of Christ? Who being 
in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation and took upon himself, he became the form of a servant. In other words, he disrobed himself from his light and became like you and I. And he was made now in the likeness of man. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even unto the death of the cross. Adam and Jesus did not look after their own welfare, but after the welfare of others. They decided willfully. They chose. They made a decision to go and help their bride. Got to add one more scripture here to it too. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. The similitude of Adam was that Jesus was in His glorified body. He's in the heavenly realm With the Father as God. And he sees us helpless, lost, no light. And what does the scripture says? For this cause will man leave father and mother and be joined to her. And they shall be one flesh. So our Lord left the father he thought it not robbery to be as god clothed the way he was in eternity and safe but he chose to come down here and take on a form like you and i to become sin for you and i he who knew no sin and was glorified in light came down willfully Knowing what he was doing. He was not deceived. And he knowingly came and became sin for us. So that the righteousness of God could be revealed in us. He loved us that much. His Isha is us, the church. Look at Ephesians chapter 5 as we start landing this plane today. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22, says this, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of his church. He is what? Savior. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their husbands in everything. Husbands. Love your wife as what? Christ loved. Is that what Adam did? He loved his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. Then he can present her to himself as a glorious church, that bright light 
not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but she is now holy and without blemish. Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Why? He who loves his wife loves himself, but watch now the similitude used here. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but cherries and nurtures it as the Lord does the church, because we are what? Members of his body and of his flesh and bones. And for this reason, why is Paul putting this here? For this reason, a man shall leave father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. That's exactly what Adam said in the garden. That's exactly what he did for his wife. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. And Paul goes on to say that this is a great mystery. And when he writes that something's a mystery, that means it's been hidden in the Old Testament to be revealed right now in this moment. And so for centuries... The truth of the similitude of what Adam did in the garden. Yes, he disobeyed. Yes, he knew the command and he disobeyed. But what he did was going to become an example of what Christ did for you and I. As our worship team returns. I hope you see the picture of true love that our Lord had for us. That he left that heavenly realm. Now I understand a little bit more about Adam too. He saw us unjustified, no light, lost in darkness. And he said, my bride can't stay like that. I have to go try and help. And he took flesh, became sin for us so that we can be righteous through him. Greater love hath no man than this, that he would lay down his life for someone else. He was not deceived. He chose to. And I hope that You will never doubt the love that your Savior had for you to leave what he had and to come and die for you. Won't you make a decision to be his and to be one with him? Happy Valentine's Day. Father, thank you for the love of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the power of your word and its example. We pray that your word will dwell within our heart, Father, and that it will be made real and that its power will unlock things for the rest of our life that we didn't realize was possible. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.